In today's episode, I'll talk about the nine types of spirit guides, who they are, what their role is, and when you should call upon them. Hello, beautiful soul. Welcome to my YouTube channel or my podcast. I'm your host and guide, Will Caminata, and I'm here to help you awaken, heal, and expand your consciousness. This channel and this podcast is all about offering you guidance and practical tools to support you on your journey of spiritual self-mastery. So if this is something you're interested in and my content resonates with you, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel or to my podcast on whatever platform you use, and also follow me on Instagram at GeeWill where I post exclusive daily contents that you won't find here. So today I'll talk about one of my favorite topics, spirit guides. And this is an updated version to the previous episode that I did when I was doing only audio podcasts. In that episode, I talked about six different types of spirit guides, mostly because they were the six types that I've personally worked with and had some kind of connection to. But today I'm adding an updated take on the six types and adding three new types that I hadn't mentioned before. As you know, we are always evolving and expanding your consciousness, so it's only natural that our experiences evolve and our knowledge expands too. So I hope you like this updated episode on spirit guides. And just before I get into today's topic, I just want to say two quick things. First of all, these nine types of spirit guides aren't something fixed or taken from a book. They are based on my personal experience and research. As you can see, these can change in the future and there may be more than one type that I may, may not be mentioning here. I've actually had a guest on the podcast, Yamil Yamunja. She talks about seven types of spirit guides. I've also seen someone else talk about nine types that aren't necessarily the nine types that I would mention here. So that's just to say, don't get too attached to the linear, linearity of it know that the types may also intersect and know that ultimately a spirit guide is a being of light from the spiritual realm whose role whose main role is to guide us through our human experience second in this episode i will not talk much about how you you can communicate with them because i have two episodes on that one is called how to communicate with your spirit guides that is episode number 62, and the other one is called Channeling Explained, episode 77. I will put the cards up here and the links in the description so that you can watch after this. With that being said, let's get into it. The first type of spirit guide is deceased loved ones. This would be family members, but this also includes pets and close friends. I always start with this one because for me, in my personal life, the first spirit guide that I came into contact with in my life was my deceased father. As some of you may know, my father passed away when I was eight. And since then, we kind of developed a transcendental relationship that started through dreams and now it's through telepathic communication. I'll do an episode about that story because I get a lot of comments and questions about that, so stay tuned. One of the reasons that your deceased loved ones can become your spirit guide is because they are a part of your oversoul or your soul tribe. Hence, I mentioned that they can also be your pets and close friends, those friends that you just feel 
that soul connection with. It is also because their presence feels familiar to you because you may remember what their voice sounds like, what they smell like, how they move, how they behave, etc. So in the sense, it is easier for you to communicate with them and for them to get through to you too. Their main role is to comfort your heart in moments of grief. Their main message is that they are okay, that whatever you're feeling or thinking towards their story, whether you feel like their death was too soon or unfair or you needed forgiveness or some kind of closure, or you didn't say what you wanted to say, all of these things, that it's okay because where they are now is only pure, unconditional love. And while I personally believe that each soul does have a healing journey too, this awareness of pure, unconditional love is always with them once they transition. And they want us to know that love really never dies. That would be the main message that my dad has tried to convey to me over the years. Having said that, he also did show up at times that I needed some comfort in my heart and some hope to just keep going. So I would also say that you can call upon your loved ones when you need that comfort and when you're feeling hopeless about a situation or just life in general, they usually communicate through synchronicities and coincidences and through very specific things that only you would understand. And just to say that not all of your deceased loved ones will be your spirit guides and or not always you will be aware that they are your spirit guides. And that is because they may need to follow their own soul healing journey or your channel to connect with them specifically may not be as open or developed. Sometimes we connect with other members of the family because your soul karmic connection might be tighter. And this takes me to the second type. Number two, ancestors. Ancestors can also be your loved ones. Like I said, these types intersect. However, when I say ancestors, I'm not just talking about your parents or your grandparents. I'm talking about the whole lineage of your family, so family members that you haven't met in this life, and or even the lineage of your race, culture, and if you wanna go a little deeper, of your star families, and we'll talk about them in a minute. You can connect, for example, with the ancestors of medicine, like the shamans, even if you don't necessarily have an indigenous background, or even if you're not consciously aware that you have that kind of background. Another example is the Druids. You can connect with their wisdom even if you don't come from a Celtic culture. And very often you may feel a connection to a certain culture or mystic beliefs and not know why. So this may be indicative that those ancestors are inviting you to work with them and that maybe you have connections in past lives. Their main role is to help you heal the things that you need to heal coming from your lineage. We carry a lot of baggage from generation to generation and things that we may not even be aware of. When we start going really deep in our healing journey, we start unveiling those past wounds in order to break the cycle. Most of you watching this are here to break the cycles, break the patterns and heal things that have been passed on for many generations. So call upon them when you're working through healing patterns and when you feel ready to go deeper in your healing journey. I'm actually going to suggest another episode that I did called 
the deeper layers of healing. It's episode number 11 on the podcast and I talk more about this idea that we are healing parts of us that go beyond this moment in time. Number three, ascended masters. These are very high vibrational beings who have taken on physical form at some point and usually they go through the process of enlightenment here on earth to show us what's possible. So they are messengers, they're the bringers of the message of the embodied love and they are teachers who come here to teach by example. Their main role is to guide us into ascension and unity consciousness and to remind us that we are all beings of light and love and, the, and that we all came from the same source and that we can embrace the spirit in us without having to leave this body. Does this mean we will all be enlightened beings like them? Eventually, I believe so, but I also believe that it's not about trying to reach enlightenment or reach anything outside of us. I believe it's all about embracing our multidimensionality and tapping into the divine power within. And this is where they can help you with. So they bring an extensive body of wisdom that we can learn from. And like I said, their lives are the example of living an enlightened life. Some examples are Jesus Christ, the Buddha, Mary Magdalene, Lao Tzu, and the Master Saint Germain. You can call upon them to bring peace into your heart, love and compassion for self and others. And when you want to learn and extract what really matters from whatever situation you're going through, they will always guide you into your heart and your soul's essence. Number four, angels. Angels are very high vibrational beings and non-incarnated beings, meaning they've never been humans unlike the ascended masters. We all have a guardian angel who's assigned to us at our birth and stays with us for our whole life. And some say that they stay with us for lifetimes too, not just this one. Their main role is to protect us and obviously to guide us through this human experience. The archangels are angels who vibrate at an even higher frequency and they're kind of like the CEO of the angelic realm. <laughs> I know it's a very dualistic way to see this, but you get the point. And also different archangels will have different categories, if you will. For example, Archangel Michael is the angel of protection. Archangel Raphael is the angel of healing and so forth. Also, a good moment to mention that the angels have sort of gained a more religious reputation, but this has nothing to do with religion, most specifically Christianity. Angels are beings of light and they vibrate at higher frequencies that are very close to source. However, they're able to lower their vibration and materialize themselves in some way and help us and protect us. I personally believe that they can show up to us in many different ways. You may be expecting to see angels that look like humans and have wings, which is the way that, again, the church has portrayed angels to us. But I would say that they're more likely to show up just as sparks or orbs of light of different colors and also in sacred geometry shapes. I believe that angels operate from the sixth dimension up and the sixth dimension is all about sacred geometry and from that dimension all of the forms are created and replicated in the third dimension. Then the seventh dimension is the realm of sacred sound. The eighth dimension is the realm of light. So 
That's why we have that idea of a group of angels singing in a choir or we'll say this sounds very angelic. They are again high vibrational beings of light who can turn into sound, sound and can turn sound into creation. The main role of the archangels is to guide us into higher states of consciousness to elevate the vibration of yourself and the planet and the galaxy and the universes so they are very powerful. Call upon them whenever you need protection, healing, and a need to raise your vibration and state of consciousness. The angels topic is a very extensive one, so I will just leave two recommendations if you're interested in learning more about them. Check Kyle Gray's work and also a podcast interview that I did here with Claire Stone, who talks about the female archangels. And as usual, you can find the links in the cards or in the description below. Number five, star beings. They are also known as aliens, which I personally don't like because of Hollywood's depiction of them, <laughs> or higher dimensional beings, which I like better. <laughs> so if you follow me for a while, you know that I often talk about the Pleiadians, I work with them, and I have a whole playlist on my channel about them that you can find here or in the description below. But essentially, stars beings are beings from other star systems and other planets. They are higher dimensional beings because they work from higher dimensions than our third dimension, which also means that their level of consciousness is higher than ours. Does this mean they're better than us? Not necessarily but less dualistic. Better or worse is a construction of the ego. Does this mean that they don't have an ego and they're all non-dualistic beings of light and love? Not necessarily, but when we're working with them, it's important that we set the intention to only work with the higher dimensional beings of light. I feel like this is a topic for another video, so let me know in the comments below if you'd like me to go deeper into this subject. Their main role is to help us evolve. When we evolve individually and as a human race, they evolve too. That's why they know they're not better than us. They're actually helping us to go back to our original 5D state as a planet that's an active part of the Galactic Federation. And even though for some of you, this may sound very out there, very Star Wars, <laughs> they can actually help us with our human's journey. Because they know that the evolution of the individual plays a massive role in the evolution of the collective. So you can call upon them when you're having issues with your life, with your emotions, with your projects, and perhaps struggling with your purpose in life. Similar to the archangels, each star race has some kind of role or category for lack of a better word. For example, the Pleiadians are very much all about love and oneness so they can help you with your emotions, the healing and the opening of your heart. The Arcturians are more about wisdom and technology so you can call upon them when you need to heal and gain wisdom from a difficult situation. The Syrians are the architects of the universe so you can work with them to gain clarity on your projects and, and more structure. The Orions too are all about the technical aspects of a plan and strategy. But generally speaking, you can call upon them to help you expand your consciousness. And when you feel like you're not enjoying your 3D life here on Earth, or also when you feel like you're wanting to level things up in any aspect of your life. 
Number six, spirit animals. When I'm talking about spirit animals, I'm referring to the consciousness and symbolism of the animal rather than one specific animal. That would fall into that first category of loved ones and pets. We all have a spirit animal and I believe we may have more than one. In shamanism, the spirit animals are very present and if you have a connection with shamanism and nature, you are probably very much in touch with your spirit animals. I personally believe that they are very ancient beings that came before us. They bring symbolisms that can help us grow and access different potentialities within us. I think the sort of relationship between you and your spirit animal is very unique to you. And Yamil in our interview said something that I really like. She said that when we see animals in our dreams or meditation, whatever it may be, we immediately go to Google to search for their meaning. But she encourages us to sit with the feeling and reflect on what that animal means to you, specifically to you on this journey or on a particular moment of your life. So I totally second that and I'm also guilty of looking them up on Google. Not that I think there's anything wrong with it. I actually think it's good to do the research, but I like the idea of first reflecting and meditating on what that animal means to you and how they make you feel. We don't have to complicate it. For instance, I've always been obsessed with whales, as you may know by now. Ever since I was a child, if I saw a whale on TV or something, I would feel so emotional, I wanted to cry. But it was out of so much love that I felt in my heart. So for me, whales are with me to help me get in touch with my heart, to help me surrender to my heart's guidance, to help me make me feel at peace and feel safe. So the main role of the spirit animals is, is to help you navigate this human life and to help you tap into your inner and unique powers. Call upon them when you want to explore and develop your intuition, your creativity, resilience, and gain clarity on your path. Number seven, plant spirits. A plant spirit is one of the types that I didn't mention before, and I'll start with the examples. The main ones for me are ayahuasca and San Pedro. But I would also boldly say that even the herbs, the ones that you use for tea and for cooking, can also be considered plant spirits because they have an effect on your spiritual health and overall well-being. But let's talk about the most obvious one, ayahuasca, and just as a quick disclaimer, I'm in no way promoting it or telling you that you should try it. I'm just stating that the plant is a spirit. When we drink the ayahuasca brew, we're literally opening up ourselves, our multi-dimensional selves, to receive that spirit that will help us to heal, cleanse, and guide us. And the reason why many find it so powerful is because we start working on a physical level, drinking and feeling it in our bodies, we do a lot of purging and cleansing too, but the plant starts to work on our subtle bodies and deeper levels of consciousness. For me personally, I had a very powerful and healing experience that I actually shared here on my podcast on episode 12 and 13. But I will say this, I believe that it's super possible to work with plant spirits, ayahuasca, for example, without drinking the brew or being in the forest. I've tapped into the consciousness of this plant medicine many times just through my breathwork practice and through sound healing. 
So I believe that anyone can connect with plant spirits by setting the intention and having a practice that will help you experience altered states of consciousness. Call upon the spirit plants when you want to heal and cleanse, expand the connection from your physical body into your subtle bodies, the mental, emotional, and spiritual. And also when you want to connect with nature and the powerful being that is Mother Gaia. And this links perfectly to the next type of spirit guide. Number eight, nature spirits. Also known as elemental spirits or mythical creatures like the gnomes, fairies, mermaids, dragons, and unicorns. These are beings that live in nature and or live in the inner worlds of the planet. So I was tempted to call them inner dimensional beings, but this didn't seem to exist. I believe that they live in the underground of the planet and they're just waiting for 5D unity consciousness to arise so that they can join us. There is a book called Telos, which talks about survivors from the sunken continent of Lemuria and claims that they're living in or on Mount Shasta in California. I guess one would question where all these myths and folklore of leprechauns and fairies come from. I personally have never had a spiritual experience with these beings, at least not that I remember or not that I'm aware of, so I can't really tell much about them. Maybe I should bring someone to the podcast to talk about them more in depth, and if you know anyone who does work with them, let me know in the comments and I'll get in touch with them. I would say though that their main role is to play with us, <laughs> to remind us not to take life so seriously and to help us connect with nature, Mother Gaia, and the inner worlds of the planet, as well as our own inner world, i.e. our physical bodies, so that we can all tap into the healthiest and liveliest versions of ourselves. Number nine, deities, aka gods and goddesses. Deities are the gods and goddesses that have been written about throughout history, and they may pertain to certain cultures or time in history. For instance, the Hindu gods and goddesses like Shiva, Lakshmi, Kali, and Ganesha, but also Egyptian gods and goddesses like Isis, Osiris, Ra, Hathor, and Thoth. I haven't had many experiences with them, so I can't talk much about them either. I personally feel like to work with them, you either must have had them showing up in your dreams or practices and or you are someone who feels drawn to them and you went ahead and started studying and learning about them. Similar to the archangels, they may also assist you in specific areas of your life. For instance, Ganesha, which is that elephant-headed god, removes all the obstacles and blocks to help you succeed. Lakshmi, the goddess of prosperity and fertility, and this in ancient Egyptian culture would be Hathor, who is the goddess of the sky, of women, and of fertility and love. One can really go down the rabbit hole once you start learning about them, <laughs> but I would say in general, you can call upon them for specific situations that you may be struggling with in your life, for healing of really ancient ancestral wounds, and for assistance on Earth's ascension journey. So these are the nine types of spirit guides updated. Let me know in the comments which type of spirit guides you feel a strong connection with and which of these you would like to learn more and develop some kind of communication with.
know that we all have a team of spirit guides. So you could be working with all of them. You don't have to choose just one. If you're looking to develop your communication with your spirit guides or even to start working with them, I can help you do that through the power of breathwork and meditation. Check the link in the description to learn how you can work with me one-on-one. Also, please share this episode with that one friend who will love to learn more about spirit guides. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at GeeWill. I'm also on the app Insight Timer. You can find me under my name, Will Caminata. As always, keep shining your light, keep your heart open, and let love lead the way. I love you. See you in the next episode.